0: Open with me, if you will, to Acts chapter 7. And so we're going to do quite a bit of reading. We're going to read the whole chapter, actually. So I hope you know how to read. If not, I do. So I'll do it for you. (coughs) All right, so before we do that, we left off at the end of chapter 6 last week talking about the character of Stephen and talking about the, uh, the, the four elements of pursuing revival, right? And so here we have this man, Stephen, who's been called as a deacon. And as he is working for the Lord and doing signs and wonders, then the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, whatever group this was, came and began to dispute with him And as he's disputing with him, God is giving him wisdom and is giving him such a wisdom that the other teachers cannot contend with it. And so finally, these teachers, this council, they have to even gather up false witnesses to bring against him because they know that there's nothing that they can say about this man, Stephen. No reason to bring charges against him, just... You know, the same issue they have with Jesus. And so they're bringing these false words against them. But at the very end, at the end of chapter 6, it says that um, as they're accusing him and they're looking at him, that they see his face shining like an angel. And so we're going to pick up right there. (coughs) Chapter 7, verse 1. Then the high priest said, Are these things so? And he said, Brethren and fathers, listen. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia, before he uh, dwelt in Haran, and said to him, Get out of your country and from your relatives, and come to a land that I will show you. Then he came out of the land of the Chaldeans and dwelt in Haran. And from there, when his father was dead, he moved Him to this land in which you now dwell. And God gave him no inheritance in it, not even enough to set his foot on. But even when Abraham had no child, he promised to give it to him for possession and to his descendants after him. But God spoke in this way that his descendants would dwell in a foreign land and that they would bring them into bondage and oppress them four hundred years. And the nation to whom they will be in bondage, I will judge, said God. And after that, they shall come out and serve me in this place. Then he gave him the covenant of circumcision. So Abraham begot Isaac and circumcised him on the eighth day. And Isaac begot Jacob, and Jacob begot the twelve patriarchs. And the patriarchs, becoming envious, sold Joseph into Egypt. But God was with him and delivered him out of all of his troubles. And gave him favor and wisdom in the presence of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And he made him governor over Egypt and all his house. Now a famine and great trouble came over all the land of Egypt and Canaan. And our fathers found no sustenance. But when Jacob heard that there was grain in Egypt, he sent out our fathers first. And the second time Joseph was made known to his brothers. And Joseph's family became known to the Pharaoh. Then Joseph sent and called his father Jacob and all his relatives to him, 75 people. So Jacob went down to Egypt, and he died. He and our fathers, and they were carried back to Shechem in the land and laid in the tomb that Abraham bought for a sum of money from the sons of Hamor, the father of Shechem. But when the time of the promise drew near, which God had sworn to Abraham, The people grew and multiplied in Egypt till another king arose who did not know Joseph. This man uh, dealt treacherously with our people and oppressed our forefathers, making them expose their babies so that they might not live. At this time, Moses was born and was well-pleasing to God, and he was brought up in his father's house for three months. But when he was set out, Pharaoh's daughter took him away and brought him up as her own son. And Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians, and was mighty in words and deed. Now, when he was forty five years old, it came to his, into his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel. And seeing one of them suffer wrong, he defended and avenged him who was oppressed, and struck down the Egyptian. For he supposed that his brethren would have understood that God would deliver them by his hand, but they did not understand. And the next day, he appeared to two of them as they were fighting and tried to reconcile them, saying, Men, you are brethren. Why do you do wrong to one another? But he who did his neighbor wrong pushed him away, saying, Who made you a ruler and a judge over us? Do you want to kill me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? Then at this saying, Moses fled and become a dweller in the land of Midian, where he had two sons. And when 40 years has passed, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire in a bush in the wilderness of Mount Sinai. When Moses saw it, he marveled at the sight, and he drew near to observe. The voice of the Lord came to him, saying, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses trembled and dared not look. Then the Lord said to him, Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their groaning and have come down to deliver them. And now come, I will send you to Egypt. This Moses, whom they received saying, or who, who they rejected saying, who made you a ruler and a judge is the one God sent to be a ruler and a deliverer by the hand of the angel who appeared to him in the bush. He brought them out after he had shown wonders and signs in the land of Egypt and in the Red Sea and in the wilderness 40 years. This is that Moses who said to the children of Israel, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren. Him you shall hear. This is he who was in the congregation in the wilderness with the angel who spoke to him on Mount Sinai and with our fathers, the one who received the living oracles to give to us whom our fathers would not obey, but rejected. And in their hearts, they turned back to Egypt, saying, Aaron, make us gods to go before us. As for this Moses who brought us out from the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. And they made a calf in those days, offered sacrifices to the idol, and rejoiced in the works of their own hand. Then God turned and gave them up to worship the host of heaven, as it is written in the book of the prophets, did you offer me slaughtered animals and sacrifices during during forty years in the wilderness, O house of Israel? You also took up the tabernacle of Moloch and the star of your god uh, Remphan, images which you made to worship. And I will carry you away beyond Babylon. Our fathers had the tabernacle of witness in the wilderness, as he appointed instructing Moses to make it according to the pattern that he had seen, which our fathers, having received it in turn, also brought with Joshua into the land possessed by the Gentiles, whom God drove out before the face of our fathers until the days of David, who found favor before God and asked to find a dwelling place for the God of Jacob. But Solomon built him a house. However, the Most High does not dwell in temples made with hands, As the prophet says, heaven is my throne, and earth is my footstool. What house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or what is the place of my rest? Has my hands not made all these things? You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears. You always resist the Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who foretold the coming of the just one of whom you now have become the betrayers and murderers who have received the law by the direction of angels and have not kept it. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed at him with their teeth. But he, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God and said, look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears, and ran at him with one accord. And they cast him out of the cities and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their cloths, or their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. And they stoned Stephen as he was calling out on God, saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin and he when when he had said this he fell asleep <clears throat> Whew. quite some history there is everybody familiar with the stories we just read cuz if you're not <clears throat> it's a good time to start you know we talked briefly well we didn't talk briefly we talked a lot last week about stephen being a man full of the holy spirit was someone who must have been in the word must have known the word who was able to argue with the teachers and it's amazing to me as we read through an entire chapter a summary of israel's history that he didn't have a bible in front of him right he didn't have this neatly written down on, on note cards to stand before the council. This is what he knew and what he had in his heart. And he was able to recite the truth to others. Now, that's not what we're going to spend our time talking about, but just an interesting point. So let me ask you this. When we look at the history of Israel, when we look at the history of these people and uh, these men who sought after the Lord, we look at the, the mighty men through the Old Testament, what was their experience like what was their life experience as they followed the lord was it perfect was it just you know signs and wonders and sabbaths and kicking back no actually that's quite the opposite they went through many, many trials. They went through many times of testing. They went through, through many issues and conflicts. They all did. But they also experienced many blessings. And, you know, when we look at life, guys, everybody, rather you're following the Lord or not, everybody's going to go through trials. Everybody's going to go through testings. And everybody's going to experience the blessing of the Lord. Even godless people, God is pouring out grace on them day after day after day after day, right? But it's interesting that in verses 51, he's now talking to the people standing right in front of him. And he says, you stiff necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you. So do you. And what's crazy is, you know, let's go back to where did all of this start? Really, this all goes back to one guy, one dude, Abraham. In fact, I was just reading, I think it was yesterday in in Isaiah. Um, I'm not really sure. Somewhere between 40 and 52, somewhere in there. Not really sure. And it says, "The prophet Isaiah says to the people of Israel, look to your father Abraham, for he alone God called." He alone God called. You know, that got my attention. I had to think about it. God made Abraham into mighty nations. A mighty nation. But you look at even when, even when Abraham is rescuing Lot and he's got, he doesn't just have a family and servants. He's got a small army of men that are with him, that are in his, um, as servants and slaves, whatever they were. And even his cousin Lot, as he was with him, all these people knew the Lord to some extent. They knew the Lord. How? God didn't call to those people. God didn't call Lot out of Ur of the Chaldeans. God didn't call his servants and his warriors. God called Abraham. And it was through Abraham's faith and through Abraham's witness that all those other people begin to know who the Lord is. And so we kind of see this pattern going through Israel that there's always this one significant figure, at least. You've got Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and then Joseph. And they talk about these characters, and Joseph especially, because now it's him and you know 11 brothers. And Joseph is called out by the Lord a little bit differently, he's given a dream. And he's like, comes out, he's like, hey guys, I just had this dream that uh, you're all gonna bow down to me. So just giving you a heads up. And they didn't like that very much. And so these godly people did what any normal godly people would do, and they decided they're going to kill that punk. So one of them is like, you know what? Murder's probably not a good idea. Let's just sell him as a slave. A little bit better than dying, I guess. And so Joseph not only is betrayed by his brothers, but then he ends up in prison falsely accused. But you know what the end result for Joseph is? He's exalted to the right hand of power over the greatest nation on the earth. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, they carried the promise of God that the seed, the Messiah, would come through their line. And so, what am I getting at here? It's very interesting. All the way through the history of our world, all the way from Abraham to us, there has always been a group or now groups, bodies of people that have called themselves by the name of the Lord. Israel, they were God's chosen people. They were God's people. Yahweh was their God. And in the wilderness, as Moses went up on the mountain, what did it say? What did we just read? It says, in their heart, what did they do? They turned back to Egypt. And they begin to worship false gods. And all the way through this, even now, as Stephen is standing before the, the, uh, the council here, he's telling them, just as in the past, When men were called and they spoke righteously and they followed the Lord, God's own people foolishly persecuted and killed them. Stephen's basically saying, and here we are. And you're just like your fathers who killed the prophets before us. And it's it's very interesting because as as there's a body of people all claiming to be God's children you know what the separate the separating factor always ends up being their response to his word their response to his word you know moses in the wilderness he had some trouble with those guys they did a lot of grumbling They whined, they complained, they didn't like what he was doing, they wanted to do something different, they wanted to go back, they wanted this, they wanted that. They didn't want to listen to Moses, they didn't. And you know what the word tells us? Who were they really rebelling against? God. And God sent them in 40, 40 years in the midst of a desert, which they shouldn't have been there that long. To allow those who called themselves God's people, but had turned back in their heart, to fade away. To fade away. And time and time again, it always happens that whenever there's a man, or or a woman, I guess, whenever there's someone proclaiming that there's a better way, whenever there's someone standing up and crying out, repent and be healed, Whenever someone wants to declare that there is righteousness for eternal life simply in Christ Jesus, there are going to be men and women even claiming to be godly people that are going to respond with anger and, uh, and uh, bitterness towards that message. It was the same way with Christ himself, right? And so the, re- the reaction of people proves their motive. And so Stevens here not talking, he's using this as an illustration, but he's not talking about the people before, he's talking about them, that you always resist the Holy Spirit. And so just like the people before them, he says, and they killed those who foretold the coming of the just one in whom you now have become the betrayers and murderers who have rejected the law by the direction of angels and have not kept it. And it says, when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed at him with their teeth But he, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God and said, look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. So he gives us kind of this this format. And here's the thing, going back to what I said earlier, everybody in life is gonna deal with two things. You're gonna have good days, you're gonna have bad days right? You're going to have trials, you're going to have blessings. But the, what God is looking for is how are we going to respond to those things? Because you know what? The, the ungrateful people, they spent 40 years in the wilderness. You know who else spent 40 years in the wilderness? The grateful people with them. That doesn't sound good to me. Does that sound good to anybody? That doesn't sound good to me. You know what does sound good, though? Is that even through those trials, even through those things, when the serpents came in and they began to bite people and people were dying of their poison, God set up a staff. And those people who sought after the Lord, they looked and they were healed. God delivered them. And the people who didn't perished. When God gave manna, Those people who sought after the Lord, they ate and they were filled and they praised God. Those who didn't received a curse. And so always, 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 there is, regardless of the trials, God makes a way for his righteous people. And God upholds those who who he knows loves him. But those who turn, their, turn away and who show that really they have no desire from the Lord, their end is always the same. Right? Because they resist the Holy Spirit. They resist the conviction. They resist the need to change. They resist the uncomfortable feel that God has something more for me. So it really comes down to are we willing to follow God in the blessings and in the trials? Are we willing to follow God when we hear him, when we, if we're ever so lucky to see him on a burning mountain giving out a law? Just as much as when we're standing at the edge of the shore with the army coming behind us, not knowing how we're getting across. Are we still going to trust in the Lord? Those are Exodus references, by the way. If you're not familiar, go read Exodus, okay? Are you going to trust God when he's telling you go or stay? Are you going to trust God when you're praying and he's not telling you anything? And in the face of God's word, how do people react? This is what what the test in the wilderness was. How did they react to Moses in the word? When when God's word is spoken, do we rejoice with it or mourn with it if need be? As God's people are gathering, do we find ourselves in fellowship? Do we know that we instantly have something? something to do with that person because he loves and is loved by the same God who saved me? Or are we more like the Jews who thought that they were sons of God because they knew the law and they kept the religious face on? But when tested against the word of God, you know what the, the outcome actually was? They despised it. They despised it. And this breaks my heart because You spend any amount of time talking to people in the world about Jesus, about God. You're going to get a lot of people like, "Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I go to this church." Or, "Oh yeah, you know, I've, you know, my whole family's Christian and I believe in God and you know, yeah, yeah." And uh but when you start discussing the will of God, when you start using, you know, those horrible, painful words like Repentance, sacrifice, ugh, right? When you talk about obedience and they start flipping through the dictionary ob- obedience, 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 I don't know that word was. Their reaction tends to give it away. Right in fact I know some people I'm ministering to right now and you know they always want prayer and they always want you know to come and help them and love on them and it's all good you know and as soon as that need is met oh, all right you know uh, bye have a good one yeah I'm like yeah, yeah. And uh, I get some opportunities to talk to them and it's pretty nice but almost always as it usually happens with me as we're conversating conversing <laughs> conversating as we're conversing I bring up the word and I bring up God's will. I bring up his promises. And almost 100% of the time, it is instantly time to go. Well, look at the time. Uh, you know, I'm really busy. I've been here for eight hours, but I'm, I'm right now I'm really busy. So thank you and uh, hope to see you next week. And I'm like, oh, yeah, no problem, man. Hey, be blessed. Have a nice day. But why? why is that? Why do people act like that? Because that's the same way the Jews were acting to Jesus. That's the same way the Jews who killed Stephen for no cause were responding. They were children of God because they were given the law and because they had a religious face and it made them feel okay. But here's the thing, deep down inside there's an issue of our heart and for me it's, We have to ask ourselves, are we faithful people? Are we faithful people? Are we the ones that are going to have to, yes, go through some trials, but that we're going to endure and that we're going to be blessed and that we're going to be rewarded? Are you going to deal with those trials and it's going to be in vain? Because at the end of the age, in your heart, you had already turned away. And Christ is going to say, who are you? And here's the thing. I was thinking about this as I, w- I was reading through the story, reading about, you know, the uh, patriarchs and Moses and, and, and thinking a little bit beyond into the story, more than what it says, and how the people responded to these people. How did, how did they treat Joseph? How did they treat Moses? You know, how did they treat Jesus? And here's the thing. I, I figured there's only really four type of people in the Bible. Did you know that? Only four type of people. So here they are. There's the type of people who just completely reject God. Man, these people aren't even trying to be holy. Somebody bought my wife some soap. I hate this stupid soap. I hate it with a passion. I want to throw it outside. I want to kick it. I want to shoot it. And then I want to burn it. And then I want to throw the ashes far away. Because on the side of this stupid bottle of soap, there is a little bubble, and it's a quote. <laughs> and it says... When godliness is improbable, cleanliness is necessary. And I'm like, that is some dirty girl soap. <laughs> like, that's all I'm thinking. That is some dirty girl soap right there. Okay. Why did I say that? Oh, yeah. Okay. There are some people who have zero interest in Christ. They don't pretend to be religious. They don't want to be religious. I don't blame them. They don't want to worship a God. They want want what they want. They're alone in their little universe, and that's the way they like it. That's the first type of people. I hope that is the type of person that you are not. The second type of person is the... uh, you know, you ever heard the expression, there's no atheist in a foxhole? You know what that means? Everybody know what a foxhole is? Raise your hand if you don't know what a foxhole is. Okay, when you're in the military, and you're in a hole, and there are bombs coming at you, everybody's praying to Jesus, okay? That's the point of the story there, okay? When things are blowing up, you asking somebody for help. There's no atheist in a foxhole, right? So there's the second type of people are those who... Maybe they acknowledge there's a God. Maybe they started on the path towards Christ. But somewhere along the way, or maybe pretty much everywhere along the way, they've forsaken it because their way seemed better. Or maybe along the way they realized, you know what, this is too much of a burden. It is not worth it. That's what the Israelites felt like. All the sacrifices, all the moving that's a, it's a burden to have to kill our livestock, to give up our grain, to have to go out and worship the Lord. It's too much work. They forget that, you know what? I just realized this. And if you knew this, you were smarter than me. Congratulations. I just realized this. I was talking to probably one of the Penningtons about this when it clicked. They spent 40 years in the wilderness, in the desert. You know what that sounds like? Really, really hot, and at night, really, really cold. You know what God gave them? A cloud for covering by day? And a pillar of fire by night? I bet you that was warm. I never thought about that. Did you know the Bible says that their shoes didn't wear out? That their clothes didn't fade? It even says that their teeth stayed white. The Bible says that. That is amazing. And they, still wanted to turn back. and they still wanted to turn back in their hearts. But those who pursued the Lord, they received all the blessings and the reward at the end. And so God is faithful. But the second type of people are those people who turn away or realize or think that this is too much of a burden until disaster comes. And when disaster comes... Man, Jesus is the greatest thing that ever happened. They're all about God. And then life smooths out. And they go, what was I doing? Oh, yeah. And right back down that road. Don't be that type of person. The third type of person is really the other side of that. These are the type of people who, when all is dandy... When their car's tuned up, when it's waxed, you know, when their shirts look nice, when the cabinets are full, when the stocks are high, whoo, baby. They raise their hands to the Lord, it's all good. God's good, you know. I gave thirty nine ninety nine, I'm gonna get sixty nine back next week. Not sure how that's gonna happen, but it's gonna happen. And they love the Lord. And then their aunt gets cancer. They get three flat tires in the same month. They run out of Nutella. I don't know. Whatever. (laughs) And suddenly, when things in their life aren't perfect, when something that happens to every person at some point in their life as a natural part of your journey through this earth happens to them, suddenly God's not good. God's not there. You know, forget, you know, the last 25 years of breathing that God gave you. Forget, you know, the house and the food and the finances and the children and whatever else God gave you. In that moment, God's suddenly not good. And they forsake the Lord. Those are the first three type of people. There's only one other type of person. The fourth type of person is those who always seek the will and the glory of God who called us. That doesn't mean those people don't ever have bad days. That doesn't mean those people don't ever say, why in the world did that happen? But those are the people like my homeboy, Job. Or if you're in a Bible study with someone who's never been to church, his name is Job. Job is sitting in the ashes, literally the ashes of his life. His children have all been killed. His lands have all been raided. His livestock are all gone. His house has collapsed. He's sitting covered in boils, scraping them off his skin with broken pot shards. And you know what Job says? The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Whoa. What does that guy know? The Lord gives. The Lord takes away. Blessed the name of the Lord. God's still good. God's still good. And you know how much God was talking to Job through his trials? He wasn't. But Job knew his God. In fact, you go through, read through Job, Job says some stuff that I'm still trying to figure out how Job knew. Job said that when this flesh dies, I, in my skin, Will see my redeemer standing on the earth. Where the heck did he get that info? Tell you what, jo- jo- Job. I see. See what happens. See what happens. Job knew his God. Even so much that he knew. He says, "My redeemer lives." Present tense. Job knew something. So the question is: Are we faithful people? Are we getting to the point where we feel like there's a burden in this? Do we feel like God is supposed to be our our magic genie where everything's going to be okay? Because I guarantee you, it wasn't that way for anybody else. But the outcome is good. That God has a promise. God has a plan. And really the only way to get it is to walk through um, some of these issues. So are we faithful people or are we really more like the Jews who thought, again, that they were sons of God because they knew his word and had a religious face? But that anytime someone came and convicted them, anytime someone spoke a word that showed them that maybe there was something in their life that, that wasn't right, or that when they began to feel wearied by worship and being cut to the heart, that they would rather lash out at that messenger the, the pastor, or the friend, or the father, or the uncle, or whoever, speaking, they'd rather lash out at that person and be bitter towards that person than humble themselves before the one who spoke the message. Because again, guys, we're all going to experience trouble. And we're all going to experience blessing to some degree but will you give way to worshiping the living God or will you turn back in your heart to the former ways? Because those are your two choices. You've got doing it the way everybody else is or using whatever's going on in your life right now as another opportunity to worship and glorify Christ. Those are your two options. And when this sermon is over, there's are still going to be your two options. And when you're brushing your teeth in the morning, there's still gonna be your two options. Those are your two options. So I want to encourage you tonight to, to look at that and see that everybody in the word, all of these people, Abraham. Did you know you are the fulfillment of of God's promise to Abraham? God said, through your seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed through Christ Jesus, his seed. And we're receiving that blessing. And Abraham, Abraham had all his own blessings that God gave him. And Abraham received everything the Lord had for him, even if he had to endure some struggles. Joseph, being betrayed and sold and imprisoned, Tell you what, he received greater status and power and wealth than I'll ever receive. And then he went to be with his Lord and has an even more magnificent wealth. Moses, we already said, was covered by day and warmed by night. And though he was only able to look into the physical promised land, he had a greater promised land that he stepped into. I want to encourage you to look forward to those promises. And I want to encourage you with a couple of uh, two verses. James 1, 2 through 4. This is, man, this is, if this is not a go-to verse for you, if you don't at least have maybe not what it says, but where it's at memorized, you need to do it. James 1, 2 through 4. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. You want those spaces in your life to be filled? It's on the other side of the test. You got to go forward, not turn around. Also, Galatians 6, 8 through 9. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good. Did you hear that? Let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. So again, I want to encourage you tonight to look forward to your rejoicing, to look past whatever circumstance you might be. If you feel weary, rejoice. Seek the Lord and be refreshed. Go to, go to <laughs> join together with His body. Do those things which He set before you. And don't despise the word of the Lord. Rather, run to it. Do not turn back now. Don't grow weary. Do not forsake His ways. But in all things... Look at this. I should have I used it. The, there's a scripture that says this. You can Google it. I promise. Google knows everything. Um. Honor the Lord your God. And God will honor you. He spoke that. He spoke that. Look forward to what God is leading you into. Even if you don't really know what it is. Abraham was told to go to the place where he would be shown. He didn't even know what it looked like. You know what it's called? The western third of the f- most fertile place on earth. Sounds pretty good. He just had to trust God to get there. Guys, God is taking all of you somewhere. Some of you are going across state. Some of you might be going across the nation at some point. Some of you, God might just be taking you to a deeper place in your faith. He might be setting up the stage for a better relationship with your family. He might be growing you into somebody, into a career, into an opportunity that you you wouldn't even know you wanted if he told you he was going to give it to you. But we have to be molded to get there. The question is, are you willing to trust God to do the things that he's already done for all of those who have trusted in him? And do you trust God to simply fulfill his own word in your life? Let's pray. Father God, I thank you.